Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. So we are wrapping up Man Month now, and and this morning we're going to take a look at what it is to be a man, a man of God, but more so what it means to be a son of God. And I pray that this morning, after we look at the text, that there would be an ounce of truth to that nothing box. Uh, Put up the text for me, please, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. We have two verses this morning. And on a count of three, let's please, this, please read this together. One, two, three. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, whom we cry, Abba, Father. Father in heaven, we pray right now that your spirit would fall in this place that your spirit may swell in this room and increase in this place and in our hearts. Father God, would you invade our territories, the walls that we've put up. Let them come down in the name of Jesus. Let your praise and your name be glorified in this building right now in the hearts of every soul here. We pray that we would see you clearly as our Father. See you clearly as that. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning, the language is going to refer sometimes to men, but I want to uh, encourage us that this is not exclusively applicable to men. Women, uh, this applies to you as well. I want to present two implications from this text, just two this morning. The first Both look at sonship. When I see this, I see sonship. If you look at that last word, sons, right there in the last line, uh, the spirit of adoption as sons. So this is about sonship. And uh, uh, these two implications are, number one, sonship eliminates a functional relationship with God. Number two, it establishes your purpose to abide in God's love. I want to give a shout out to Benjamin Robinson. A lot of this teaching I've learned from him. The first one. Sonship eliminates a functional relationship with God. God is our creator. And we are his creation. You can also say God is the inventor. And we are God's invention. Just like any other invention, there is a function. The special purpose or activity in which something exists. If you're God's invention, then you better learn how to function. We out here trying to function. That was a joke. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Many people will say your purpose on earth or your function is to find happiness. A lot of other people will say your function is to do good in the world. So we spend spend our time trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And if that's the core question of your heart, then might I say you are malfunctioned. Our relationship with God is not about what we can do for Him, not how many times we can go to church or how many dollars we can put in the bucket as it goes by. Our relationship with God is not mainly being functional. Many of us are functional people, men. When someone shares a problem, 
Do you listen with nurture and affection? No, some of us just tell the solution. Well, just do this and get it done with. Many men like fixing things, working with their hands, building stuff, being productive and functional. My first point is very simple. It's that sonship eliminates a functional relationship. Your main purpose on earth is not to modify your behavior. It's not to be a good person. If your Christianity has resorted to you being a good person, then you have missed the point of Christianity. We have tons of good-hearted people in the church that are doing great things. They're doing good things with good intentions. intentions. But we are missing the most important reason why we exist, why we are created to function. So then, what is our purpose? What is our function? Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The reason we exist is to abide in our Father's love. The reason we exist is to abide in our Father's love. Ever since Jesus showed up on the scene, he gave us a clear way to relate to God as Father. Jesus at the temple said, I am about my Father's business. When you pray, say, Father in heaven. It isn't just creator. It's not just about how you function as his creation. Over and over again, Jesus teaches us that God is our Father. Don't worry about what you eat and what you drink. Your nose. Let your light shine among men so people see them and glorify the in heaven. If God is your Father and we are his sons, then what is our function? The reason we exist is to abide in God's love. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Good parents don't bring children to this world for tax benefits. <laughs> there are no functional reasons for having a child. A loving parent has kids because they want to extend their love to them, not because they want their five-year-old to pay the mortgage. Why did God bring you into this world? Is it to be department heads, social workers, teachers? Is it to be lawyers, accountants, doctors, manufacturers, transportation? No. The Father brought you into this world because he wanted you to abide in his love. That is why you exist. The greatest commandment is this in Matthew 22, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So many of us got that mixed up. We think God has created us to do work for him. And while he's saying, all the time he's saying, hold up, hold up. I don't want just the work of your hands. I want the affection of your heart. Verse 15a says this, For you did not receive a spirit of fear, of slavery, to fall back into fear. Slaves must perform and function to the expectation of Of their masters. They don't have a choice in their everyday decision. You're not dragged back into a functional relationship with God, trying to live right, trying to be a good person, trying to always go to church or donate money, always in fear of taking the wrong step in your life. Verse 15b But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, you were created 
to be a son of God. My question is this. When was the last time you slowed down and sat at the feet of Jesus and just allowed him to pour his love upon you? When was the last time you turned off the TV and put down away the freaking phone and just marinated in the presence of God? When Jesus visited Mary and Martha, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and Martha was busy running around. It says in verse 40, But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But then the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's a need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better. And I was thinking about this text. And I was thinking, you know what? Martha was running around. She probably wasn't just on Twitter, on Facebook, wasting time getting her hair hair done and nails done or whatever. She was probably running around getting dinner ready, cleaning the house, making sure everything was in order and being a good host. She probably had a good, well-intentioned heart doing what she thought was the best possible thing she could do at that moment. Men, many of us Fill our lives with good things, well-intentioned things, trying to pay the bills, trying to raise our kids, trying to do things that are good for life. But is that the very reason you exist? The greatest commandment is not as good as this is, as as much of a godly call as this is. The greatest commandment is not to raise a godly family. Not to successfully reach retirement. Not even to make the world a better place. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. For all who are led by by God are sons of God. You are God's child. God is your father. Turn to your neighbor and say, who is your daddy? There's a couple fellas in here like, I, I ain't saying that. I ain't turn around. <laughs> you see, you were created to love and be loved by God. It's so much more than just doing. So much more than just working and trying to get things together. So much more than modifying your behavior. So much more than providing. So much more than doing the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. It says here that the spirit of adoption, in the second to last line, the spirit of adoption... We have been adopted into God's family. And adoption is meant to put a child in the loving embrace of a parent. If you've been adopted, men, as children of God, why are you still living as orphans? Adoption is meaningless if it only puts you in your father's family and not in his arms. When you wake up, Are you seeking happiness in the arms of Christ? As Psalm 90 says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. When you go about your day, is your heart delighting in Psalm 16 that says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Doesn't sound like duty to me doesn't sound like obligation to me. 
You see, we're always going 100 miles an hour. We're going 100 miles an hour. We got goals, we got benchmarks and projects, we got bills to pay. We're always running from one meeting to the next, dropping off our kid from one practice to the next. But don't forget your purpose. Don't forget your function, which is to abide in the Father's love. Why are some men giving God their garbage time? Maybe they'll show up to church once in a while because they don't see God as their Father. Why are some men being dragged into this church? Even right now, some men are sitting here, I don't even want to be here right now because they don't see God as their Father. Why are some men relying on a functional relationship with God? I got to be a good person. As long as I perform and do things right, God will approve of me because they don't see God as their father. Or maybe they're just projecting their earthly father onto their heavenly one. That's a different sermon. Dr. Craig will get on that. (laughs) Don't get this mixed with your mission. Your mission is to do what God has called you to do. We get so caught up in our mission, we forget our purpose. Your purpose is why God created you. Your mission is what God created you to do. We get so busy with the, with the what, we forget the why, no matter how well-intentioned we are. And i got to say this, this is going to ruffle some feathers, but that's okay because the gospel is invasive. If you believe you exist... If you believe the primary reason you exist is to give your kids a better life than you've lived, then you've fallen short. If you believe you exist to make the world a better place, then you've fallen short. If you exist, if you believe you exist to live a good life, to collect some toys along the way, then you've fallen short. We exist, men, to delight and to abide in our Father's love as His sons. That is what we're called to do. That was what we're called to be. Ever been to a meeting and it just goes in circles and circles until somebody steps up and says, wait, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? Let's take a step back. Family, some of us need to hold a conference with ourselves and step back and say, hold up, why do I exist? Tell your neighbor, I need a meeting with myself. Look at verse 15. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That word cry in the original language is a violent verb, very violent. The word is like screaming baby and has a semantic range from shriek to cry to scream. Kids, they're supposed to scream as a baby. Some kids, when they make an accident on themselves, they're supposed to scream and cry out to their parents. You do it on yourself, you cry out to your dad and your mom. You cry out, you scream. But some of us poop on ourselves and just sit in a corner trying to fix it on our own, stinking up the place. Hey, bro, haven't seen you in a while, haven't seen you in church in a while, it's been a minute, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, just going through some stuff, man, just going through some stuff. 
When you're dealing with your stuff, you run to your Father, not away from Him. When you have a Father in heaven, you run to Him, not away. The world doesn't need men that can just handle their business. The world needs men that recognize their sonship, that know and know and know that they are sons of a king. The world doesn't just need men that can pay the bills and pay for child support and pay for the bills or whatever. They, the world needs people and men that realize that we serve an eternal God with infinite resources, with incredible love, with grace everlasting that we have access to, that we can get on our knees as men and cry, Abba, Father, where are you? Show up. I need you. That's what the world needs. Not just men that can step up and do strongly men stuff. The world needs men that can get on their knees and humble themselves and cry, Abba. Because that's when the real work gets done. I had uh, uh, preached this sermon in the early service and right after that, uh, someone came up uh, and he was actually going through some stuff and it was a young adult. And it was incredible for me because, as you know, our young adult population is missing. They're just gone. Through the North American church, not just South Bay, they're just gone. The ages, 20, 30s, just gone. Evaporated, eviscerated. And it was so inspiring for me because he came to the front and he said, and he just poured out his heart. He said, you know what, I'm going to work right now, but I just needed to stop by here because I needed to pray. And he just poured out his heart. He said, I'm going through this, this, and this. This, this, and this happened. This, this, and this happened. And he just poured out his heart. And you can tell life has just been so rough on him. And what normally happens is that in that age demographic, my cohort, they just disappear. They just disappear. But it was so incredible for me to see, to be sitting in that chair next to this man that was crying to God in this time. He knew when I'm going through my time, my rough time, my rough season, I'm going to run to God. That was just incredible for me to part, be a part of just an hour ago. So on a recap, adoption eliminates a functional relationship. It's not about what to do. You're human beings, not human doings. Secondly, adoption establishes your purpose, your function, which is to abide in your Father's love. We went to Grenada a few years back, our church. We took a team of 50 people. It was an incredible experience. Incredible, profound, life-changing experience in the beautiful island of Grenada. Yeah, man, oh, the trees, man. Oh, so beautiful. The island. And part of the days, uh, part of the week, I took my team that I was responsible for, a group of about 15 or so, and we went to this home called Dorothy Hopkins. This was a home that was built for people of disabilities, people with physical, emotional disabilities. You walk into the place, and if you're not used to it, you can be caught off guard. There was somebody on the ground. There was somebody else in a chair here, just waving back and forth. There's somebody over here screaming out loud on top of their voice. Another person over here without any arms or legs. And I just, if you're not used to this, you can be taken aback. A room of 30 People going through physical, emotional disability. 
We, as our team, what we did is we presented the gospel. We presented the gospel. We prayed for them. We did a feeding. And it was just an incredible moment. And I want to say this this morning. Some of them may not be able to get a football scholarship. Some of them may not ever be able to lead a Bible study or drive a car. Some of them may not be able to live independently. But that doesn't change any of their worth in the eyes of their father. Their father loves them and created them so that they can abide in his love. And he loves them just as much as he would love Mother Teresa or President Obama or anybody else on this planet. And here's the question that I've been really challenged with, especially as I've been reflecting with my wife on this. She challenged me with this. If you could never do a single useful thing in your life again, would you believe that you could still fulfill your primary function, which is to abide in your Father's love? Men that have our identity so wrapped up in how we perform and what we can do and accomplish, our networking capabilities and our list of achievements and accomplishments, if we can never function a single day in our lives again, can we still believe and rest in the fact and the truth that we are created to abide in the Father's love? If your life amounted to nothing, could you believe it wouldn't change a thing about God's love for you? Romans 8.38 says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, present nor future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I was told that some of these residents of Dorothy Hopkins were abandoned by their parents because they couldn't function properly. God is not determining whether or not you're worthy of his love based off how well you perform in life. How many Bible studies you've led, how many people you've helped, how many dollars you've donated. Jesus, before he did a single miracle, before he fed an army of people with just a couple Happy Meals, before he walked on water, before he taught revolutionary teaching on the kingdom of God, before he did any kind of functional thing for the kingdom of God, before he performed any of these miraculous acts, the skies opened, the heavens gave way, and a dove descended upon him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And he's looking on us right now. Before he did a single thing, before you lift another finger. You see, Jesus also taught. He said, at the end of times, there's a story about a master who received his servant into his care and said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Your father will one day look at you 
you will one day stand before the throne of grace. You will stand there and God will say to you, well done. One day we will all, I pray, we will all stand before the throne room of grace and stand before God and our lives will flash before our eyes and God will say, well done, enter into the rest of your Father. Well done. But at this very moment, He is already well pleased with you. this very moment he is well pleased simply because you're his child simply because he created you and knit you together in the mother's womb not because you're an extraordinary real estate agent an extraordinary businesswoman (laughs) businessman but because you're his child and he is well pleased right now now. I was sharing this similar sermon to this in Sacramento a few weeks ago. And after the sermon, a woman came up. She was shaking. She had a tremor in her voice, a stutter in her voice. She couldn't get off a sentence. And she was in tears and sobbing. And through the broken words I heard her say, and she shared with me, I am a war veteran. I have PTSD. And I've lost all ability to function. And this morning when you said that I exist and I was created not to function but to abide in God's love. Wow. You see, I... It was taken away from me in the war. It was taken away from me, my ability to to act, my ability to perform, my ability to provide. That was stripped away from me. But this morning when you told me that God has called me and created me to abide in him, in his love, that's my primary function. Then my life was changed. And she just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I cried with her and I hugged her and I prayed with her. Just an incredible, incredible reminder to all of us. And I have two points I want to say. First, as I end, for those of you that are struggling, for those of you that are feeling tremendous pressure on your shoulders from life, for those of you that can't go on another day You don't know what you're going to do if you get another phone call of bad news. God is your father. God is your father and he loves you and he has created you to abide in him. For those of you that are heavy laden, those of you that are weary and need rest, God is your father. You are not alone. God did not promise that life would not have struggles. God only promised that his presence will be there in the midst of those struggles. In the presence of your enemies, I will prepare a table before you. And my last point is this. I really mean last because some preachers are like, last point, and then like 30 minutes later, last point. 
One day, everything we own, everything we have, everything we put our identity in on this earth will fade away. One day, it will all be gone. Everything you can do, all your functional capability will be gone. Your earning power, your retirement, your grandchildren, and the joy that they give you being with them and and putting your faith and hope in the next generation, all that, you're just going to be standing in front of the king. Everything, accolades, talents, list of accomplishments, everything, your resume will be stripped away. And that is what I want to remind what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles? Didn't we act and do and work and function in the way that you've called us to? Didn't we, weren't we, didn't we do all these incredible things for you? Weren't we busy? Weren't we so busy for you? Didn't we do all these things and perform? Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Some men in here need to know that God is not just your creator and you're not just his creation. You're not just his invention to function and to work and do and perform and act. For crying out loud, there's going to be people at the end of times that are going to fall before the feet of Jesus and say, I casted out demons in your name and he's going to reject them. It is not about our ability to perform. It is not about modifying our behavior. It is not about how well we act in church or behind closed doors even. What is the key scripture here? He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Your greatest function then is to abide in your father's love is to know your father's love is to know it like the back of your hand everything else will flow from that the bills will be paid the children will be okay the grandchildren will be okay the health reports are going to be okay The family and the relationships are going to be okay. Everything else flows from that. Even as a pastor, I can get so caught up in running from one thing to the next, one meeting to the next, one event to the next, one functional thing to the next. But even as preparing for the sermon, God was like, hold up, hold up. I don't want just the work of your hands. I want the affection of your heart. So I stopped, got away from my computer, got on my knees before God. Abba, Father, fill me now with your love because your greatest commandment says, I am to love you with all I am. 
men, those of us that have put our identity in what we do, those of us that see ourselves in light of how society calls us to see, men, you are not just called to be a man of performance, capability, and function. You are called to be sons of a king. Let that soak into your spirit. Let that change the way you see the world. Let that change the way you see yourself. Let that change everything. I want to pray for us, and when I pray, I want you to start reflecting on your life. Are you the one that needs God as your father because you're just drowning in mess? Or are you the one that has wrapped up your identity in basketball or sports or stuff and money? No. Let the truth ring that you were created to abide in the Father's love. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that we are not in a relationship of merit with you. That we are not in a relationship of performance with you. That you aren't standing in heaven with your arms folded, looking down on us, waiting for us to get our act together. But at this very moment, you are well pleased with us simply because we are your children and we're created in the image of your Son. And let that truth sink deep down into our spirit. Let that truth sink deep down into our souls. So we will no longer run around like our like chickens with their heads cut off from one thing to the next. But we would stop and recognize the words of Jesus. I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Let us strive to know you, Father. To know you as our Father. Because the world doesn't just need men that can handle their business. The world needs sons of a living God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.